Desideratum is a Latin word. It means things that are desired as essential. This podcast celebrates storytelling as essential. I'm audiobook narrator Teresa Bakken, showcasing the talents of my author and narrator friends. I hope you'll hear an artist you love or find your next favorite wordsmith. And it came from a time that was personally very challenging um, for my husband and I with one of our twins. We have twin boys who are amazing. And during a difficult time, I really turned to writing as a place of solace for myself. This is author Carol Vandenhende talking about why she started writing. In our conversation about her novels, Goodbye Orchid and Orchid Blooming, she shares how her character's trauma recovery, both an ad executive who suffers a medical trauma and a beauty brand expert who lost her parents as a child, that these fictional characters' struggle and resiliency was actually inspired by combat wounded veterans. The story series is inspired by combat wounded veterans and aims to honor their experience. And so even though Phoenix and Orchid are not military veterans or military characters themselves, it does play into the story. The nonprofit work that Phoenix does is to help military veterans. And that's how the two of them first worked together. And the scene that you talk about at Walter Reed Medical Center, you know, Phoenix goes as a civilian. What really has struck me when military veterans do read that chapter and those scenes, they tell me that I've really captured not only what it physically looks like, which of course you can Google and you can look at videos and you can look at pictures, but also the feeling, the tonality. Veterans have told me the banter between people in, at Walter Reed in those scenes is very authentic. And I love that. In fact, people ask me, oh, you must have gone, you must have visited. And I haven't. Oh, wow. Which shows the power of desk research and really, you know, striving to be deeply empathetic to what the experience might be. Yes. Empathy. I think empathy is a really core theme for me in your writing. You begin Orchid Blooming with a quote about empathy. Thanks for picking up on the empathy theme. And absolutely, it is in, right in the early pages of Orchid Blooming. First, I would say that after Goodbye Orchid came out, I heard from readers who had not been through medical trauma or the experiences that either Orchid or Phoenix had been through. And they actually told me that reading Goodbye Orchid deepened their empathy. Mm. And that was tremendous. It felt like such a gift to be able to um, do that through my writing. And also, that experience makes sense to me. So there's brain research that has shown that the way our brains react when we're writing a scene and the emotions we feel when we're writing are the same places that light up on an MRI when a reader is reading that same scene. That's just remarkable, isn't it? That's Yeah, it gives me goosebumps to think about that. It's basically a brain-to-brain connection And, you know, what deeper definition of empathy is there, you know, really being able to see through someone else's eyes. And I think that's the power of literature and novels. Yes. So well said. I'm glad you brought that up. There's a couple of times when one of the twins 
one of your main characters, Phoenix, has a twin, Caleb, and he sometimes he sometimes drops little nuggets of wisdom about research. I like the way you interject those things. There's some real life kind of zingers that, like you said, kind of give you goosebumps. And you go, oh, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that about Caleb because here he thinks he's the black sheep of the family. He thinks between the twins that Phoenix is this golden boy. He's so successful. He starts at the top of his game. He started his own ad agency. He's an entrepreneur, a founder. He's, you know, handsome and done well in school. He's, you know, this perfect twin. And Caleb, in contrast, feels that he's um, failed at school. He struggled through his life and that he's the, the black sheep of the family. And yet he is so wise. Yeah. Street smart, but also research smart. And some of the um, tidbits that he shares really help transform Phoenix during Phoenix's journey after his life-changing accident. Right. right. For instance, he shares that, um, and this is true, young animals, the way they release trauma that can get stuck in our bodies is they will, after a scary incident happens, they will role play out that incident in order to get it out of their system and therefore not get that freeze response that sometimes humans can get. We internalize, we don't know what to do with those traumatic incidents. And so through Caleb's voice, he's able to share these um, these pieces of wisdom yes. with Phoenix to help Phoenix along his journey. Yes, so you, you do have journeys in both of these books that are physical, but then also emotional after trauma, and you, you use experiences with therapy. You describe at one point the, I think it's called box breathing, right? It's yeah. four and holding four and breathing out for four. So you have the therapist um, helping Orchid work through um, some of her memories. Mm-hmm. How did you choose which of those techniques to include? Why were those important things for the character and then for the story? Yeah, those are great examples. And one, the box breathing actually comes from the military. So the initial use of that was in the military, which is so appropriate for the character who teaches Orchid about box breathing because she's a military veteran that they're helping through the nonprofit work. Right. But then also the therapeutic aspects that Orchid's therapist recommends those came from research. And so in any of these cases, in both books, Orchid Blooming and Goodbye Orchid, I took the research really seriously because to pay homage to the experience of, you know, people who've been through this kind of trauma, wanted it to be true and authentic. And therefore I, um, in my acknowledgements, I thank multiple medical professionals, social workers. In fact, there's a head of a trauma treatment center who helped me really get the details of the, you know, what Orchid goes through when she goes through therapy, get those details right. Honestly, there's a part, I don't know that I'll include this. I don't want to give too much away where she's, she's writing about the evening of her trauma Mm -hmm. as if it had happened differently. Mm -hmm. And that was so moving to me. Oh my gosh. I actually feel chills as you bring up that part and feel free to include this because I want to thank my author friend and editor, developmental editor, Caroline Levitt. She's a New York Times bestselling author of Pictures Before You, Cool Beautiful World, so many amazing novels. She actually, um, as she worked with me on the book, helped spark this idea because she herself had 
an experience with a coma. And she talks about this when she talks about uh, her book, With or Without You, in which she had gone to therapy to deal with the repercussions of the coma. And one of the therapists recommended writing about the experience, but writing about the experience as it actually happened did not um, help her. And what she talks about is that writing about the experience in a different way with different outcomes did help her. I thought, oh, what brilliance. More people need to know about this, you know? Yeah. We can write our own features. We can rewrite because part of mindset shifts, for instance, is really rewriting the framework, how we talk to ourselves about something and how we make sense of what has happened. Okay, let's pause right there in the conversation. What Carol was just saying about reframing our mindset feels like a perfect place to let you hear some of her storytelling. What you'll hear is a few minutes from a scene in a hospital where the main character, Phoenix, is recovering from a major medical trauma. Carol puts us right in his head, into his darkest thoughts. She's one of those authors who excels at both written and oral storytelling. This is from Goodbye Orchid, written and narrated by Carol Vandenhenda. I can transfer myself. I know, said Veronica, hovering inches from Phoenix. He stood from the bed and pivoted into the chair. Nadine wants me to do as much for myself as I can. Sure, honey, she said, leaning to tuck a loose pocket into his shorts. He gritted his teeth against the humiliation of having become a dependent adult child. You know, I've built a hundred million dollar business and have been on my own since college. You've done a great job, she said, licking a finger to slick a stray tuft of hair. He wheeled towards the bathroom. Mom walked one step ahead, opening the door just as he arrived. He pictured Orchid helping him transfer, handling his chair. The gut punch of her revulsion, obvious in his recurring nightmares, formed a lump in his throat. He'd made the right call. I'm going to shower by myself, he said. Of course, dear. Nadine said the more he accepted his new state, the faster he'd recover. But phantom sensations remained ruthless. Narcotics sepia-toned his thinking until the difference between life and death didn't seem to matter. A one-handed yank of his t-shirt over his head was the easy part. Shrugging out of his shorts required balancing on a single foot, shoving the fabric towards the floor, and then sitting back down to be finally free. I should be figuring out communication strategies, not how to undress. Naked, he hopped into the shower, the bumpy surface of the institutional plastic seat sneered, disabled. Here, there was no ignoring the blunt ends of his missing pieces, no ignoring the one-handed shower aided by a long-handled brush. Scars wound like pale red tentacles over misshapen flesh. The sutures were gone, but the raised, ropey skin stretched taut in the shape of each menacing stitch. Living death. Every nurse, therapist, doctor, and family member had colluded in the grandiose lie that he was going to be able to do what he wanted. What the hell are they talking about? This week, he couldn't unlock the foil fortress of a yogurt. Yesterday, his one-handed wheeling was felled by a door that swung out instead of in. 
His mind hissed, staring at his malformed stumps. You're the punchline to a distasteful joke. You're an attraction in an old-fashioned freak show. Little girls will gape at your deformities. Adults will avert their gaze from your gruesome form, then emasculate you with degrading pity. There was nothing left of him. Half a man. I think one of the things that I liked, that I felt like was also kind of a theme for me, is is there are people meeting, are the people that we meet some form of kismet? Because we know in Orchid Blooming that there's actually a connection between these two people that that she doesn't even realize, right? Because he's been... I don't know how much of that to give away. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but right, like there's, we know actually that their meeting wasn't as chance as we thought it was. And so that kind of opens it up to this conversation about, well, is that all free will or are you meant to meet some people? So what, what is that for you? What do you think about that? Well, first of all, it's so hard for any of us to actually know the answer to that question. But I think the question itself is so fascinating. Right. Because there's probably, you know, I I could believe my my husband and I are about to celebrate our 25th anniversary tomorrow. Congratulations. Thank you. And there are parts of me that could absolutely believe that we were meant to meet and this was meant to be, you know, and I think there's something beautiful in believing that. And maybe even the way that my husband and I met gives me a little bit of that belief in this, the kismet and the magic of happenstance, because we met on a train. We would have never crossed paths. We had no friends in common. We didn't go to the same school. We happened to be riding the same New Jersey transit train from Penn Station into New Jersey. He sat next to me and he happened to be carrying a book that I was interested in reading So I asked him about that book and he said, well, you know, I work as an engineer during the day, but at night I work at a bookstore. So just give me your address and I'll send you a copy of this book. (laughs) So I gave him my PO box address. He sent me the book. I sent him a thank you note and he started writing me letters. This is how old fashioned our relationship started. And so that whole, the magic of how we met and have stayed together all these years and have raised twins does give me a bit of belief in this, you know, sometimes people are meant to meet. I love that. That's a great story. There's definitely some of that feeling of happenstance or just being in the right place, or maybe not that you were meant to meet, but look at all of the things that had to line up for you to meet. And that feels magical, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I really like about Orchid is she describes a couple times, I think, when she's talking about her parents, uh, that she gets her creativity from her mom and this analytical side from her dad. And I think that's such a human thing to look at our parents or our aunts and uncles maybe and think, oh, that's where I get that, you know? Yeah, it's so true. And I find because I have... Um, very strong, both left brain 
Like I have an engineering undergraduate degree, strong in math and science. Um, I'm on our digital technologies leadership team, but I'm also very strong um, right brain because I'm an author and a speaker and I love, you know, um, aesthetics and beauty. And yeah, that's a great point that these things are not mutually exclusive, that it's easy sometimes to label our children or label ourselves as, well, I'm creative or he's the creative one. But really, we're all big mishmashes of everything. Mm. And I think these characters are that a lot. Like you have them in very artistic fields, and yet they also seem very analytical as well, right? Mm. Yeah. Very astute. Yeah. And they're both looking for ways to, they both seem very altruistic. They both seem to have a philanthropic sort of bone that they're, you know, um, that they're following, which I appreciate. I think it's, yeah. It's nice when characters can model that for us, right? Yes. Phoenix Walker, I mean, it's the nonprofit work, and he does that to honor his father's memory Mm -hmm. with uh, military veterans. And then with Orchid Page, she has um, a sustainability angle that she talks about. And that's something personally important to me. I'm trained as a climate reality leader. I've worked on digital for sustainability, something I'm working on now. So these are things that are personally important to me also. Yeah. Um. I'm checking my notes. There's a point where Phoenix says he's going to replace the glass top with tempered glass. And I thought, oh my gosh, that was a total foreshadowing of, <laughs> we know he doesn't do that. And that, <laughs> I liked that. That's great. And I actually wondered if you'd just written one story. Like I thought, was this one book? Oh, that you realized like, oh, I actually have two stories to tell because it flowed. I thought this is, maybe all one story, but did you know this was going to be two or three, which it is now three stories coming out of this, these characters? Teresa, it's a brilliant question. And so the honest truth was that Goodbye Orchid came out first and then book clubs, readers asked me for more of the story. They wanted more of the backstory. Mm. They wanted to know how did Phoenix and Orchid meet? What happened, what transpired before page one of Goodbye Orchid? So I went back to what essentially was the backstory that I had written. I had actually written a lot of Orchid Blooming and Goodbye Orchid, but we happened to publish Goodbye Orchid first. Yeah. And then I went back to that backstory and I fleshed it out. And I, because I knew what happened in Goodbye Orchid, I was able to put in those little Easter egg details. I love that you picked <laughs> up on the tempered glass. That is so amazing. And people do, readers tell me that they feel like there's all this foreshadowing when they read Orchid Blooming. There's like all these aha moments, like, oh my gosh. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. And you also sort of, oh, there's hints about, the accident, like we know the accident's going to happen, but you have moments with her where she's near a train track or thinking about, I, there was a description just about how the wheels roll along the metal. In my mind, you put me right back to him on the tracks. Mm-hmm. So it was the way to that you wrote it. It just, it wasn't super obvious, but they were, mm-hmm. uh, it would just give you a wave of, oh, I know, mm-hmm. I know what. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, It's nice. It's nice to feel like, it's nice to feel as a reader, like you're kind of in on Mm -hmm. it. You're in the know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's very clever. It just dawned on me that that's what it was that I was enjoying. So I feel like I'm like, oh, I know. Yeah. You're like, don't (laughs) go near those tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, oh, I know. I was good. I came back to my notes. 
all these misunderstandings and failed communication, which were kind of driving me crazy um, between these two characters. But then, meanwhile, you have a resolution of failed communications with the uncle, right? Like all these years, this has been a this has been a failure of communication, a drop in a relationship. And you show us in that resolution um, that even when even after fail and fail and fail of communication and not reaching out, that we can have resolution, we can have a, we can be reunited. I, I loved that little side story with her family. What an insightful question, Teresa. And yes, that uncle relationship, because her parents had been killed when she was 12. And the uh, younger brother, her father's younger brother, lost touch with her. And it was really a painful, you know, reminder for her. And to have that heal, I think, was amazing for me as a writer, as a person, as a human, as a mother. I think, as you describe it, actually, as you ask the question, it, it raises insights in my own mind, in which I think I want to have this deep belief that relationships can be healed, mm-hmm. that even if things go awry, even if there are misunderstandings, we can still talk them through. We can still fix that. It is not forever broken. It doesn't have to be forever broken. I want to believe that. And so it probably came out in that uncle story. Thank you for reminding me about that. Yes, but it's never too late, mm-hmm. right? It's never too late to, um, and that holding, carrying a grudge about it, mm-hmm. like if she had not responded to him and decided not to let him into her life, mm-hmm. then she loses out yeah. on the richness of what moves, what what starts now moving forward rather than focusing on whatever pain there was in the past. It's also about that trauma, right? It allows her by letting go of that. It allows her to move forward and experience the grace and, and love in this relationship. Mm-hmm. It was a great um, side note. Um, but I think that was, I think that was most of my notes. I like to ask authors though, the name of the podcast is Desideratum, which is a Latin word for, the desire for essential things. And for me, storytelling is essential. Someone asked you, what, what is most essential? How do you respond? So I'd say there's probably two themes I would call upon. One is actually when I started down the path of publication, I asked myself, what is the reason I write beyond the obvious profit or functional purposes? Mm. My own answer, and really I wanted to answer it for myself is that I aim to inspire hope and empathy for people and planet. Mm. And some of that's through my writing. It's also through my day job, my work, through my, I serve on boards of directors, through my speaking. There are many ways in which I can try to serve this strong belief I have in inspiring hope and empathy for people and planet. Mm. And then I do think there's another corollary within the Goodbye Orchid series that does come through as a strong theme, and that is the belief in the power of love. It is romantic love, but it's also self-love. It's um, familial love. There's many aspects of love that are explored in Goodbye Orchid and in Orchid Blooming. Excellent. Yes, excellent answer. I love that. Was there anything I didn't ask you that you thought, well, I hope I get to to talk about this? It's up to you if you want to include this or not, but because you've mentioned the idea of Easter eggs, which is a hidden little something that maybe not everybody finds. Yeah. I do find readers love to learn about the hidden Easter egg design details 
you know, the front covers have images of orchids, but they're in motion. So in orchid blooming, the petals are blooming everywhere. In Goodbye Orchid, the petals are actually shattered to represent the shattered emotional, physical shattering of the characters. That image is echoed on the bottom right corner of every page so that when you have a physical book and you flip through, when orchid blooming, when you flip through, the orchids are going to bloom or shatter mm. until you get to the depths of the story. And then they um, visually come back together for the emotionally satisfying ending. Easter egg design detail. How did you come up with that? So my, it was inspired by my sister-in-law, whose birthday is today, Maria. She said to me, you know, I read a book once that was about octopi. And on the pages, when you flipped through, the eight legs of the octopus would move. Oh. And when she said that, it just sparked this instantaneous idea. Because the idea of the shattered orchids or the orchids blooming were so central to communicating what was important about these stories. It's in the title. It's in the imagery that I thought we need to bring this to life on the pages of these books. I want to thank Kathy L. Murphy for shining her light on Carol and drawing me to her. Goodbye Orchid is the Pulpwood Queen's May 2022 bonus book of the month. And Carol's second novel, Orchid Blooming, launches next week, September 13th. I'll put Carol's link tree in the show notes so you can find her social media and website. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much. Of course. Well, have a great rest of your day. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for your time. Aww. Take care, Teresa. You too. Bye. Bye.